One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is the John Coon Podcast with ESPN Wisconsin and 620 WTMJ, and boy, you're big time. Why would I? Why do you say that? People, people love you, man. I mean, well, it's thanks. not just because your name is fun to say. Like, I've gotten great feedback. I haven't listened back to the podcast because I've lived them. Which again, is this four? Is this podcast number five? I think so. Okay, boy, <laughs> you said you were counting to a hundred. I, I was. I'm just. Don't, I'm, no, no. I'm not even going to get the six. Um, I've had a couple of people email me or text me if they're people that I'm close with. They really are enjoying the podcast. Good, good. Is it is it because of me or because I, no, of you? No, it's because of you. Trust me, <laughs> boy. John's really good. Okay? Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time right, out of your busy day. Who am I going to sub you out for? <laughs> to tell me how great Coon is. <laughs> who can I sub you out for? Thanks. Uh, yeah, we we can see what we can find. I'm sure there's plenty of plenty of folks that would love to ride shotgun. You know, I haven't even said who I am in any of these episodes. I've yep. never said who I am. They say who you are. Do they? There's some they, sort of recording. They, I don't know who they are, but they say who you are. Well, I, you know, quite frankly, I'm not prepared today. I, I, I came into today's podcast. I'm not all that focused. You know, the last 48 hours, well, we'll find I out. haven't really been trying very hard well, to get ready. And we're going to find out if you're the man, because if you're the man, you'll be able to adapt. If not. You know, you might lay an egg. I'm not locked in. I'm going to lay an egg, <laughs> which uh, is certainly what occurred in Los Angeles on Sunday as the Packers lose to the Los Angeles Chargers. And I've got a perfect streak going since that game occurred. I have mean? not referred to them as the San Diego Chargers once. I did it a few times before they played. Man, I can't stop saying it. Every, yeah, it's so and it, hard. And I get really close to saying Los Angeles. You know? Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. It's Los Angeles. So you went to Los Angeles. Yeah. Were you among the people that didn't take the game seriously enough? I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. Actually, when I heard Aaron's comment after the game, I started thinking, well, shoot, what did I I, I forgot for a minute that I don't play anymore. <laughs> did I have too much fun in L.A.? I don't know what I did for the last 48 hours. <laughs> What's yeah, going you, on you exactly here? who he was talking about. <laughs> so what? So before we get to any experiences that you might have had on teams that laid eggs in games, mm-hmm. What did you make of how that game played out and the things that the quarterback said after the fact? Boy, it's it's you heard about teams that try to play the perfect game where everything goes right, defense is clicking, offense is clicking, special teams click. That was the antagonist to the perfect game. That was the unperfect game. Bizarro where game. Everything just went wrong. Special teams did not perform. Defense could not stop them, and offense just could never get started. It right. was, it was one of those things where if you look at San Diego on paper, there you at go. Three you and just five. Did it. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> if you look at L.A., if you look at the Chargers, that's what you got to do. You just yeah, say, that's exactly you, what you start. Do. Let's start this thing over. Let's start over. <laughs> if uh, if you look at the Chargers on paper, three and five. Not that great. Okay, you know, we, we should be able to do this. But if you watch film on them going into right. that game, I was a little nervous. Uh, I, you know, they had just enough talent at just the right spots to make you say, 
boy, this is this is actually a really good team, and they are. I mean, right. they're a year removed right. from twelve and four, right. and and I was just a little bit nervous that if we went into that and we didn't. Um, if we weren't completely tight, that, that we could let one slip. Now, I never envisioned the game going the way that it did. I mean, that game was, that, that game was far off. I mean, that was like you said, everything going right. That was everything going wrong. And I didn't see it going that way, but I did see the Chargers having a much better team than what they were on paper going into that. And that's just, unfortunately, a good team taking advantage of, of everything the Packers did not do right. So you're an old guy. Aaron Rodgers is an old guy. Tremont Williams is an old guy. But even some of the veteran guys aren't super old guys on this team, right? No, they're not. And so I, I, I don't I don't want young guys in terms of like rookies to get a bad rap because I don't think we're just talking about young guys to that degree. But it was clear that, you know, even on Wednesday when we were at Aaron Rodgers' locker and you had your pole position spot right next to him there, um, you know, he didn't back away from his comments about what was lacking in terms of the focus and whether guys didn't rest enough once they got out there. Mm -hmm. So when he's talking about that, for people that have not gotten a chance to be around you guys did on you just road trips. Into the I think microphone. I did. Yeah. Oh my god! Snuck up on me there. We really need can to we start edit that out? We need to start over. <laughs> Ashton Rotman is all over. You that. did not bring your A game today. You you didn't have to actually I, I told live you, up I to didn't, it. I didn't come I taking this seriously. A, I thought that was a shtick. I didn't expect you to actually. It was play it until out. I belched into the <laughs> microphone. I'm a little close to it. I've been farther back. I might have been okay, but so. You know, obviously, having traveled and covered the team for as long as I have, I've been in the team hotel. I see you guys generally the night before the game. You have a nine o'clock where you have to be back in the building. You have a nine o'clock meeting. Um, you have a curfew of eleven. You can you can hang out in the hotel. But once you get to town, usually on Saturday before a Sunday game, you do have some free time to go out and about as a player. So when Aaron says that, is he just suggesting that maybe guys? had too much fun can you translate what he's saying they have the reports have been confirmed there was no curfew mess there was no violations made and and we pro we probed aaron at his locker and I, I, i could not really get a sense as to i don't think he meant anybody specifically i just think he felt the team was flat and I think he felt the team was maybe flat in their walkthrough the day before. I mean, this is just my interpretation. Mm-hmm. That's all I, we're asking for. I ju- yeah, I just feel like he did not like the way that the 48 hours led up to the game in general. Let's say this. I mean, when you come from Green Bay and you hit and you touch down in L.A., that, that's a different place. You can, without being, you can be completely focused on the game and without paying any attention, you can... You, you can be caught up in some of the distractions without really ever feeling distracted. Right. There's, it takes forever to get from the airport to the hotel. It's There's, 80 degrees outside. There, yeah, you're looking at palm trees. It's just a different vibe. And I just, you know, me personally, the way I chalked it up, I, I thought the Packers and I thought they were flat in the pregame. And, and I, I said that to a couple people. I thought they looked tired in the pregame and they looked a little... Uh, unenthusiastic in okay. the pregame. And that's why I, I wanted to know when Aaron felt like there was a lack of juice because he kept saying juice. And that's that's when I kind of felt that. And the way I interpreted it was this team has been grinding week in and week out 
for the last month of the season. They've been on a heck of a run. This is their first back-to-back road games. Their their first road game of this back-to-back was a Sunday night game right. in which they got home at 3 in the morning on Monday, and then they left in 5 in the evening on Friday to fly out to the West Coast. That is an incredibly short week. That is an incredibly short week by NFL standards. And normally... You have a lot more time than that, but right. I think a lot got squeezed in to that time. A full body of a full week's body of work got squeezed into that that short period of time, and I think that's what we saw wear on guys. I think that's why there was a lack of juice. So, for as long as you played in the league, did you ever have? Are there games when when you're watching this unfold in Los Angeles? Are there games that you can think back to right away that you remember? whether it was you or the team as a whole, that you just laid an egg. Now, we have, I've, I mean, I lost plenty of games in the NFL. I played, you know, enough that you're going to lose games. There's one specifically that pops to mind that was similar to this game. Um, a team that we felt like we were better than, and a team that, was not too great on paper, but a team that all of our coaches had warned us was really uh, a much tougher team in their environment, and that was the Buffalo Bills in 2014. If you remember, we went, and at that point in time when we lost that game, we were in first place in the NFC. If we could have ran the table the last three weeks, we would have been the number one seed. Right. Instead, we lose to the Buffalo Bills. It was probably our worst team loss when I was here, and... And that kept us that that meant we had to go to Seattle for that NFC championship that year right. instead of having it at home. It's it's an incredible bummer to think about right now. Um but you, you just have some of those games like that where where it just everything does seem to go wrong. And in that game, we had some dropped passes um that would have led to first downs, a dropped pass for a touchdown. We had uh a punt return ran back against us for a touchdown. The defense only let up 14 points, but keep in mind we were on a roll on the last half of that year. We went seven and one after the uh, right. after the midway point after the bye, and twenty one points. That was the second most points led up in that eight game stretch. That's how good that team was at that point in time. But but it was the timing of it. It was the fact that we were playing so much better, and we just came out and kind of stunk that up. And the, the funny thing to me is, there's a similar thing that happened in that game as to uh, it would kind of fit and make sense to what Aaron's talking about. And before the game, I'll remember, we, I, I would always bring stereo, like a stereo or a speaker or something in the locker room because I hated quiet locker rooms. I just couldn't stand it. I wanted, so like a boom box yeah, on your shoulder? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> by this point in time, it's no longer a boom box with a cassette tape. It's now MP3s or, or uh, digital files being played Bluetooth and wirelessly through through a speaker. And these little tiny speakers pack a punch now. Yeah. But but I would always bring I would always bring the speaker to make sure we always had music and I would always put it on top of somebody else's locker because I didn't want to be the guy who was blasting the <laughs> music, although I wanted the music blasted. And I would always sit the speaker on somebody's locker and just be like, You're cool, don't worry about it, man. We're good. And then I'd tell T J to play some music. Well, this game he just decides out of nowhere, because it was really close to Christmas, he just decides he's going to play Christmas music. So we're listening to, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus Come to Town and Frosty the Snowman and stuff like that. And we lay this egg, and we lay an egg in the game. So I'll never forget after it's all the TJ's game. all TJ's fault. I'll never forget after the game. Similar to Aaron's comments, there was comments made, 
the the Christmas music was a distraction. The Christmas music's got to stop. You guys were not focused, and this, that, and the other thing, and bringing up all this stuff as to as to why we didn't have it there in the game. Sometimes you just lay an egg, and so we have all this stuff, and we we need to get back on track. And just like the Packers need to get back on track this week, we go down and we play the Buccaneers. Two totally different environments. Now, we're playing in, in, in Green Bay in the winter. It's, it's cold here. We go up to Buffalo. It was really cold there. We go down to Tampa in December, and it was like 80 degrees. We were just dying from the heat. Right. But we grind out this gritty, tough win, 20-3, to um, which locked up a bye for us at the time. We don't know which seed yet, but it locked, okay. up, it locked up a bye. Uh, so we go into the locker room, and the first thing TJ does is turns the Christmas music <laughs> on my speaker. <laughs> sort of like a, yeah, it wasn't the music, guys. <laughs> we, we, we just laid in the egg. So you do have games like that. Yeah. It's, it's not just, the Christmas music. It's not being in L.A. It's not the Christmas music. It's not being in L.A. Now, if this happens more than one week, if this ha- then, you, then it's a trend. Then right. it's a problem. But I mean, th- this this does just happen sometimes. And Matt even said himself, he never got into a rhythm of the play calling. Right. He was impatient. That takes a toll, too. I mean, it, it takes it takes a big man like Matt to acknowledge the fact that he never got into a good rhythm. He wasn't patient enough to get into a rhythm. But that happens, too. you know. And all of a sudden, you look up and the first half's over, and you're like, what in the heck just happened? Right. Yeah. And they're only down nine nothing at yeah. the half, by the way. And and Matt Lafleur did acknowledge that he should have been more patient with the game plan. He's great at admitting fault. I, yeah. I will give him that. Uh-huh. That's the only typical. thing really discouraging to me about the game is, yeah, they came out flat. Yeah, they had no juice. There was never a counter punch. There was just never right. a counter punch. And and so I think it was in response to a question you asked Rogers at his locker on Wednesday, that you know he mentioned how. Usually in a game like that, and it can be at home too, where you're playing an out of out of conference, unfamiliar opponent at noon. And he said, usually all it takes is one play to kind of get things going, whether it's a long pass or a big run or a turnover on defense. Mm-hmm. And none of those things happened. Yes. None. There was never a counterpunch. It was the cra- it was, and that's why I meant like that was the epitome of the anti-perfect game. Just everything went wrong, and they never had a spark. So uh, now put your player hat on again, because you're now a quasi-member of the media, and you're part Wait, of... Wait, what does quasi mean? Well, so you're sort of a member of the media, but you're also a team employee. I mean... So so we have to put some sort of qualifier. <laughs> I feel like you that was a, that's a snarky term that you just... It's a little used. snarky. I mean, not entirely, but a little... You're bit. not really one of us, John, although you think you are. <laughs> you don't want to be one of us, let's be honest. But but so put, put your player hat back on, because we go in there as the media, you included, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in there. <laughs> That and is, we're asking that questions. Is, that is a tough part of the job, i got to admit. This transition, holding the microphones up in these guys' faces, <laughs> standing in the crowd, sweating it out with each and every one of you. I just, want you, I just want you to know, not all of you smell great. <laughs> okay, not all of you smell great. I got deodorant on today. <laughs> I belched to the microphone, but that's another story. Um, but But so we come in on Wednesday, and even to some degree on Thursday there were questions still about it, and we're rehashing. What happened on Sunday? Mm-hmm. And yes, maybe it has a forward spin of how do you move on or what do you need to do differently or whatever else. But we're still asking questions. What's that like for players 
to be still being asked about their worst performance of the season, you know, four days later, and they've got a big time matchup challenge coming up with Carolina. The best part about the NFL is when 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 you win, you have a whole week to love it. The worst thing about the NFL is when you lose or you have a poor performance, you have to wait six or seven days to erase that memory because you're not going to. No, as, as much as they say they're going to flush that film, as much as they say we're going to move on, we're on to Carolina, that is BS. That is ap- you, you don't forget what just happened until you get a chance to go out there. That's why you almost always see the most impassionate, the most spirited play after a game like you just saw. Because these guys had to suffer for a week to get this out. And even when they think they might have a chance to forget, we all remind them. We all remind them of everything that just happened. So before we move forward and talk about Carolina and and Christian McCaffrey, who's putting up yards like you did at Shippensburg. Yeah, um, he is. Kind of the same pace. It's pretty amazing. Um, I'm curious. So you played 16 and 17 with the Saints. Yes. So the Rams had moved back to L.A. by then. Mm Mm-hmm. We and, didn't call. Notice you never say St. Louis Rams. Yeah, it'll always true. be L.A. Rams. But we cannot stop saying. San, is it because they're so close together in California? I think it's because it still feels like you're San Diego. No, I think I think I think it's because there's Orange County, L.A., San Diego. They're all kind of one now. Del Mar. So you're what? You're 37. Yeah. So I grew up. I'm a little bit older than you. Okay. Uh, about a decade. I don't know why we had to tell all our podcast fans, all ten Dude, of them. Your how Wikipedia old I was. <laughs> page says how old you are. It's not breaking news. Um, but I grew up loving the San Diego Chargers. Dan Fouts, Charlie Joyner, Kellen Winslow, Wes Chandler, John Jefferson, who ended yeah. up being traded here. Um, they're just San Diego. Like if you're probably really not to be offensive, but really old. You remember that the Chargers actually were the L.A. Chargers before they went to San Diego, but they were in yeah. San Diego for like fifty years. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know they were the L.A. Chargers. They were the Rams. On the other hand, were in St. Louis, what twenty years ish, yeah. mm-hmm. and then they just went back from whence they came. So it's a little bit different. So when you were with the Saints, did you play any games against the Rams in L.A.? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. That would have been the first time in your career that you played in L.A. Yeah. because there were yeah. no teams for most of your Memorial career. Memorial Coliseum, I thought it was amazing. Like that, that Coliseum, it's 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 a dump. It it needs it some is work. A dump. It yeah. needs some work. But gosh, the history and when you're there, and when you're playing in a meaningful game there, and there's all those fans, it's cool. It's a fun atmosphere. So, all right. So, L.A. didn't have a team for most of your career, but you got to play there against the Rams. Um, what were your favorite road trips? My favorite as a trips. player. Uh, well, I, I always kind of liked Chicago because it was a short trip. We always had plenty of time to go get meals. Great shopping. And it was always a great meal. It was always a great meal. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's like, heck, I get three hours. It's all about that meal. Where can I get the best meal? Is it easy? Can I walk to the restaurant? You know, New York was cool the first time because, you know, you, you, you kind of... You, but once you go to New York, it's like... Boy, I don't have 12 hours to wait in traffic. Like, I, I'm trying to sit down and eat somewhere. And wouldn't you, you know? guys stay kind of out of, you would yeah. stay out there, Jersey so it's tough city. to get into the city. It was tough. It was tough. Um, yeah, I would say I would say Chicago was probably my favorite trip. What about Pittsburgh? 
going oh, well, back okay, and having so, family yeah, and but whatever P- else Pittsburgh was always by. nice because I just hopped off the plane there in uh, in Moon Township and took a 10-minute car ride you know, to my to my extended family's houses and, and, and visited and, and had a great time. So what about West Coast trips then? Because if we're factoring that into the performance, yeah. whether we should or shouldn't, you know, you're talking about Seattle, San Francisco, San Diego. I, I will say this. There. I enjoy the trips a lot more now. I'm on <laughs> Not having playing the yeah. game? When, <laughs> you know, I love going to the different cities, seeing them, getting that little itty-bitty taste of culture and and seeing what that city had to offer but i never really enjoyed it because i knew i i just i mean because you were locked in. yeah like you were yeah. thinking about the game yeah I, I wanted to get there was one thing i had on my mind it was to get a good meal and then get back to the hotel and uh so it, to me i don't even you ask me what my favorite is i'd say chicago and that's only revolving around short trip and a meal i mean right. I, I never really did anything on these trips so you guys used to stay at that weston on michigan off yeah. of michigan avenue mm-hmm. by the whatever the john hancock building yep. is called mm-hmm. now i don't know the answer to that the water tower <clears throat> building I believe. but so you would walk you would be able to walk michigan avenue and all due respect to our lovely town of green bay slightly different shopping options yeah just a couple so is that is that a favorite trip of a lot of guys because yeah, they is. like to shop yeah and their wives but, like it, to shop. but you better be smart you better ship your stuff home number one you'll save on half the taxes you know, because the taxes are a lot cheaper here than what they are in chicago it's the sales tax that is um so yeah. you're going to let's say you go to uh, Burberry, right? Yeah. Burberry's got a store yeah, there, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I, when I didn't have children, I could afford an occasional Burberry shirt. Um, and they also Getting don't. Fancy well, ones, they don't Jason. fit anymore either. But that's another story. Um, so you go in there and you buy it, but then you ship it home. Yeah, you ship them home for two reasons. Number one, you save on at the time if you shipped out of state, you didn't pay any sales tax. That's true. Yeah, but but now but you, you got to pay shipping, or did they ship for free? They would those those nice establishments oh, ship for free. Oh boy. But now, but now you got to pay half the sales tax because uh, Wisconsin's five point five, and they're like ten or something like that. So you save a little bit on the sales. Okay. Tax. But the number one reason, even more important than sales tax, is you didn't want to be walking on that. You didn't want to take a chance <laughs> of walking on that team playing after a game, looking like Julia Roberts uh, from from that Pretty movie, Woman. From Pretty Woman. Yeah, you didn't want big mistake. Yeah, huge. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Yeah, you don't want to be traveling back with all your goodies. Uh, the John Kuhn Podcast, we like to focus on the upcoming game and have a little bit of fun in the process, and that was certainly fun. Are, do you see, I, I joked about Christian McCaffrey and his productivity being very Shippensburg, John Kuhn-esque. It's, uh, that's no joke. Like He's been really, really productive. Yeah. What do you see when you watch this guy on film? Well, I see a guy that is probably going to, break 2000 yards easily in all purpose yards this year and you would i expected when i turned on the tape to see a lot of read uh wide zone uh runs out of the gun some sort of uh counter or scat type look getting him the ball quick in space and that's not what they're doing okay they are running downhill at defenses with power Stutter, which is power to the weak side, right. and toss crack, which is another well, version. This is of a, all in the Mark Tauscher playbook. Yeah, These are all Mark, his favorite Yeah, plays. and he would love this offense, and they are just grinding it out on people. And McCaffrey is amazing because usually, uh, usually, and, and I hate to say this, but usually you see a back like him, and, and you're not expecting him to, to just, because a lot of people consider him scat-ish. Right. Like scat, but he's not. 
He's not. He runs between the A gaps, between I mean between the tackles in the A gaps, and he doesn't take huge hits and he's not afraid to get hit. He's not afraid. Right. He's played get this, in the NFL, when no running back plays predominantly uh, a sole running back position, he plays ninety three percent of the offensive snaps. Yeah, he doesn't come out of the game. He's their first down back. He's their second down. He's their third down back. He plays the entire thing. That means he not only runs, he not only catches, but he pass blocks. I mean, he does everything. Right. He, and he is really, really good. He's like Amon Green, circa two thousand three. Yeah, and and that's just not the norm. But I don't even know NFL. if Amon caught all those passes there. So that year in two thousand three, he carried the ball three hundred and fifty five yeah. times, yeah. and then he caught fifty more passes. Yeah, and he had eighteen. Well, okay, so he caught fifty passes. Christian McCaffrey's halfway through the He's season. He's got forty two already. already. Has almost fit. Yes, right. That's crazy. Um, how big of a challenge then does he present for a defense that? has obviously had its challenges stopping the run and has also given up a fair amount of explosive plays. I think I think the biggest challenge he brings is a the the run game is straight at you. And when you watch a lot of their film, he's he's picking up a lot of 3, 4, 5-yard runs and then he'll bust the 60-yarder. So teams are trying to stay gap sound, but it doesn't matter if they are even gap sound. This this offensive line and him are kind of pushing forward for three, four, five yards at a time. So that's tough first, considering our defense has had a difficult time stopping the run straight at them. So I would anticipate we put a heck of a lot of focus on making sure that's not the case. Okay. Now, when you do that, you, you know where where you where you put one thing, you got to take away from another. You right. Know, you only got eleven pieces to play with on defense, and I'm afraid that by doing that, we're going to have to play really, really good. Or our other Achilles heel could sprout, which has been the big explosive plays, you know, across the middle to tight ends, right. or 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 wide receivers running crossing routes, or even a back on a simple option route. You know, that to me that that's that's where it makes it really really difficult. Is if you want to load up and try and stop this run offense, you could actually make yourself weaker in another spot. What do you see from them defensively? You're talking about a team that has taken the ball away a lot with interceptions. Yeah. And I think they're leading the NFL in sacks. Yeah, they well. yeah. They're leading the NFL in sacks with thirty four sacks. Get this in eight games. In eight thirty four sacks in eight games. That that's that's spectacular. But get this. They're leading sacker is that is is that the way you say it? Sure. They're, they're leading sack man. Person. Is, is yeah. Addison with six and a half sacks. So their leading sack man has six and a half sacks. They have 34 as a team. The Packers' defense has 22 as a team, and 16 and a half of those are the Smiths. Right. That's that's wild to me. That tells me that Carolina is doing this by design, that their defense is designed to get after the passer and not just one or two athletes. Right. It's scary to think that they could literally a, a sack could come from any spot on the front seven. So, we there was a stat from ESPN Stats and Information after the game that uh, our our quasi friend Rob Domofsky pointed out to us, <laughs> um, and that was that the Chargers blitzed Aaron Rodgers once all game, mm-hmm. um, and still got pressure on him with four. Uh, Historically, you don't want to blitz Aaron Rodgers because he would generally make you pay for it. And he has done that throughout his career. So now 
and as there ha- was the case when you were playing with them as well, teams will say, "Oh, fine, we're gonna, we got to win with four as a pass rush, and and we got to cover as much as we can against him." When a team has that kind of success with a four-man rush, and now you're going into a team that's doing very well in rushing the passer, but does seem to be doing it schematically. Mm-hmm. What's the transition there? Because they, the last thing, what, however you want to do it, you can't have Aaron Rodgers be pressured that much. The Packers need to run the football. If the Packers, if the Packers don't run the football, it, and and what makes it difficult is remember who's over there as their defensive quarterback, a pretty right, good, probably going to be a gold jacket guy himself, and Luke Keekley. So he's quarterbacking the defense. He's an incredible run stuffer. He gets he calls out plays before the offense starts their cadence. And and, and I've been there and thought to myself, how does he know we're running that every time? So I mean he's. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough sledding, especially because of him. But they they have to be able to, if they don't run the football, and and they're able to just sit with with four guys and rush the quarterback and sit back and cover these receivers. It's it's going to be a difficult day for the offense. So Matt Lafleur again because he takes a lot of blame when things don't go well, and I respect that about him. He he said, "Look, I got away from the run. I didn't need to. It was nine to nothing." Now. That's that's nice that he says that, but in that game, you know, they had three false starts, they had a delay a game, they had a couple of negative runs. I mean, you can see why he would get away from the run. You oh, can yeah. see that, but you just can't, especially against this defense, you can't do that. This yeah, week. because here's the deal. With this game, when you watch these two offenses, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of 30, 40-yard touchdown plays. Um, I, I think the the more patient offense, the offense taking – Seven, eight, nine yards as a as a as a chunk um, for a pass play. They're hitting their receivers in the holes, either in the curl hole or in the hitch hole on the outside. They're they're taking what the defense gives them, and then they're trying to take a little more. The offense that does that better is going to be the offense that moves the ball better and probably ultimately wins the game. You know what's wild to me is that they're five and three, and they've won what five of the last six, I think. Yeah. And they've done it with Cam Newton. The closest Cam Newton's going to come to playing in this game was having been at Bell and yep, Title Town getting, getting his, his foot, foot examined yep. by Dr. Anderson. Um, are you impressed by Kyle Allen? I, and what I are re- your thoughts? There? I really have been. Now he's turned the ball over a little bit these uh, these last two weeks. But what really what really impresses me about him is he he understands where his bread is buttered, and that's Christian McCaffrey. And he says, "I'm not going to step on this man's toes. I'm going to let him win games for us." And he has done that primarily. He's won five. Uh, well, he's won five out of six games as the right. starter, and. He does have the ability in this North Turner offense to get the ball out of his hands and into other guys' hands very quickly in holes that the defense has. And and I think that's, again, very important and kind of goes to our uh, point of the more patient offense, being able to take four, five, six-yard passes. And then every now and then he throws that 50-50 ball down the sideline to his guys and gives them a chance to make a play for him. But, that I mean, he really tries to take care of the ball. And honestly, when you have Christian McCaffrey and you're giving him the ball 30 times a game, pretty smart. So uh, when we talked to Aaron Rodgers at midweek, he claimed, I still don't know if I believe him when he says this, he said the colder the better, that he is now Mr. Cold. They all Is that a mentality? You because... know, most people when they get older, they like the warm better. Right, they move somehow, to Florida. Somehow this guy has adapted and he likes the cold better now. But 
I, I know what he's saying. The only problem is, I mean, it's not like Carolina's immune to cold. I, I don't think right. they're going to be. Certainly not to this degree in November, though, like we're experiencing. They, I doubt there's been a lot of trick-or-treating uh, in Carolina <laughs> with uh, snow on the ground. Exactly. Um, is that something, though, that for you guys, and again, you're not expecting it for a game that's being played on November 10th necessarily. Yeah. You're certainly expecting it in December. But is that a mentality? I mean, you played in it for so many years. You were one of those non, no-sleeve guys. I'm a tough guy. Frostbite doesn't scare me. Um, is that a mentality, and is that an authentic advantage? For all the other stuff, you know, the... Horn now from you're the... going to think I'm crazy here. You're going to think I'm crazy, but answer this question: Has winter come early this year? Winter is coming. I don't know. I yeah. don't watch that show. Um, Has winter just just? That's not a trick. question. I don't want to believe it's that. Not, no, stop. It's not a trick question. It's way colder at this point in time of the year for the last two three weeks than what it's been. Yeah, the I'm last still hoping years. we're going to have like a fifty degree exactly. day. Exactly. So winter, it's it's much colder here than what it normally has been. And we just went to L.A., and I, I, there is no doubt in my mind that the San Diego Chargers had a clear home field again. advantage. Duh. <laughs> that the L.A. Chargers had a clear home field advantage because they were sitting in the shade for the entire game. And our guys, who have not felt anything above 50 degrees, have not played above 60 degrees this year, had the sun in their face for a full three quarters. There's no doubt in my mind that took a little bit of a toll on them. So because of that, how can you not say the reverse and say when these guys come up here and it's chilly and they got to sit with coats on and they got to stand in front of the heaters, that's not going to take a toll on them. What about practicing in that cold? Were you out of practice the last couple of days? Yeah. yeah. Um, I know there were guys, you know, the first the, the Wednesday practice was during the wildly popular Wildey and Tausch show, on, <laughs> which you occasionally fill in on as our cousin sub of the day um, when you're allowed. But you... There were guys throwing snowballs out there. Yep. It was fun. Yeah. Is it productive? I mean, I think it's productive, but here's the deal. You still have to have a good practice. I always want just the best practice. And I even, at, even when I was a player, yeah. I would acknowledge the good in going outside and, you know what, we're going to go outside. The line, It's going to be a lot colder. The linebackers aren't going to want to hit. We'll kind of just run through our plays and, and get inside where it's warm. Um, versus when we were inside, it was always a grinded out practice. I mean, I acknowledge that advantage of not having to bang when you went out in the cold because nobody really wants to battle in the cold right. at practice. However, I was a guy I always wanted to kind of get some game reps during the week. I always wanted, if I was practicing, I wanted to really practice. Yeah. So I liked practicing inside so I could get a sweat and I could, I could really get the juices going, get full speed and, and do some things like that. So, I mean, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. You know, Mike Holmgren used to never practice the guys outside used to, for three reasons. Number one, he always wanted the best practice he could have. Right. He wanted the crispest, cleanest, best practice he could have. Number two, he was he was a warm weather guy. He was right. from this, and and number three, he had a great team that that knew when it was game day. Hey, we got to flip the switch and turn it on. So they were just better than everybody else, and 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 he could allow them to practice inside where it was warm. There's there's a lot of different factors that go into these. So things. so did you think then when you were playing because Mike McCarthy 
kind of tried to walk the middle line, right? He would have you do some work early in practice outside so you're exposed to the elements. But then when you were running your 11-on-11, if I remember correctly, he would then have you go into the Hudson Center so it would be cleaner work. Yeah, I guess you call that a compromise. The only problem is when you get all sweaty inside and then you go outside and it's below freezing, all your sweat (laughs) freezes, and now you're wearing a block of ice as a uniform, which makes it really interesting. Your whole beard freezes. You look like... uh, That's a good look. You look like Frosty the Snowman out there with a frozen beard. Um, 2007, I'd make note that year we went, we had that surprising really good year in NFC Championship game uh, when Brett was still on a team. We went 13-3, and and I don't think we practiced outside past September. Okay. Okay. Um, Now, Brett leaves, and we started practicing outside. Now, I don't know if we started practicing outside because Brett left, and Mike could actually make that claim, like, hey, let's go outside and practice. Brett maybe didn't want to practice in 2007, or... The NFC Championship game, which was so darn cold that, that year, that that psyche took something on Mike, and he said, "I'm never going to have my team worried about the weather again. We're always going to well, practice." That's outside. interesting. I mean, I just remember that year, you guys played in Chicago. I'm sure you found a really good meal, but yeah. he, Brett Favre, looked like he wanted to be anywhere except Soldier Field. Let, let me day. let me tell you, there's four games that I can point at. To, I'm not sure which one's the coldest, but I would love. I mean, temperature-wise, that 2007 game in Chicago might not have been the coldest temperature-wise. But when you have 40 to 50 mile an hour oh, wind gusts off Lake Michigan, and it's and it's already cold, that was awful. It was awful. So what else is in the time? Well, let's save that for. It's going to be cold for the duration of this podcast. You, are, now, are we so. not going to warm up anymore this year? Has <laughs> winter come early? <laughs> We'll have plenty of cold weather to talk about, and we'll have more to talk about with the Packers taking on the Carolina Panthers this week on Sunday. They moved it to the late afternoon game. I don't know if that's great news or... Well, think about this now. Now the sun is with daylight savings last week. Maybe that's what it is. I, maybe maybe we should do some research about Packers waking up after daylight savings. Are you anti-daylight savings? Do you think we should have the same clock all year round? Doesn't certain parts even of the farmer states, Mark Tauscher come around? Doesn't us. certain parts of the state uh, states do that? I think uh, Indianapolis I does think it. Scottsdale does it. I, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Arizona does it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the reasoning behind it again? Well, the idea was so farmers would have more daylight in the morning because the days are getting shorter. Yeah. Uh, because my understanding, I, I as you can tell, I have no farming yeah, so experience. So now we have Tauscher's department. So we but, have so many farmers that that everybody right, else is going to go off of this thing. It's outused. It's lived. I it's actually thought I heard something that it, it stimulates uh, the economy and the people spend more money when they when they move the clocks. Really? Yeah. I don't know. That's why they adjust. We're when a couple it's of happen. cheapskates. It ain't us. That's for sure. It definitely isn't me. We'll do it again next week. It is the John Coon Podcast. Thanks for coming.